Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Locked On Braves, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, our partners at Tegna, and our new partners at Intercom, as the Locked On Podcast Network stays growing, bringing you as much news and information from your favorite sports teams as humanly possible, brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar as well. If you're looking for a great tasting protein bar, something to help get your day going, or just help you pre-post-workout or a midnight snack, go to BuiltBar.com today and try them out for yourself. So... Still got a little bit of news from the baseball world. Uh, looks like 2021 is, is rapidly barreling down on us. Pitchers and catchers will really be reported next week, which is the, now that the Super Bowl is over, we're officially in baseball season. And now we've got most of the clarity on the rules for 2021 in place, ready and raring to go. We're going to discuss those rules today, the ones I like, the ones I don't like. And if we have time in the second segment, we'll discuss potential future rules that I would like to see as well. But... Let's go ahead and kick this off, because I ran a poll on the Locked On Twitter page, um, at Locked On underscore Braves, just to get a feel for how everybody's feeling about the rules that are already in place versus rules that are are potentially going to be in place for 2022 in the new CBA, which I'm fairly confident that a lot of the rules that aren't in place this season will be in place next year. Um, But I don't want to blow too much of that stuff. We'll talk about that here. But let's kick things off with the first rule. Uh, And this is the rule that, quite frankly, I hate the most, and most of you guys are going to hate the most as well. Uh, Just running on the informal Twitter poll, uh, this was the lowest recorded of the current rules in place, and that is the runner on second base to start extra innings rule. This is a Rob Manfred special. This is something that he's been wanting to push forever. He was able to push this through because I believe he has full control over something like this. Um, I hate this rule on so many different levels. Um, as somebody that played baseball for quite a few years, um, and many of you, especially here in Georgia, baseball is such a big thing in Georgia growing up. Uh, Braves are so big here. Baseball's kind of baseball and, and Georgia football or college football are, are the two staples of, of the state. And, and baseball, Georgia baseball is just country renowned. I mean, baseball, Georgia is a baseball state. And to have a rule like this, it just screams church league softball. And nothing against your church league softball team. It's really fun to play. You know, it's, it's nice and relaxed. But starting off an extra innings with a runner on second base already, it's just so hokey. And it doesn't really do anything. I mean, both teams start with a runner on second base. So the idea of it, which is to save time and, and stop games from going into the 17th and 18th inning, it doesn't really do anything to affect that. Number one, not that many games go deep into extras anyway. I mean, if you're going into extras, most extra inning games are going to be over by the 12th anyway. So starting this off immediately in the 10th, it doesn't do much. And baseball's a copycat league. Everybody's so into strategy, but everybody's going to approach it the exact same way. We saw it last year. The name of the game is move the guy over to third through a bunt or a ground ball and then try to hit a sack fly and drive him in. That's how everybody, every team approaches it because it's the easiest way to do it. I mean, if everybody is starting off with a runner on second, that means everybody has the same chances to score depending on what part of the lineup you're in. It's no different than starting off an inning with nobody on second base. It's, it's just... 
I, I, it's a dumb rule. It doesn't really save any time. And if you look at the times of games last year and previous years, it really didn't save any time at all. And this is just one of those hokey things that it doesn't affect the game on the field very much because it just doesn't happen all that often. There's not that many extra inning games. But it's just a bad optic. It just looks bad. It doesn't look like baseball. It, it just... I'm, I'm not a fan of this at all. I think this is the dumbest rule that they've put in place, and, and nobody's going to change me differently. I hate it every time I see it. Uh, there is no, eh, well, okay. If you wanted to do it, fine. Start it after the 13th or 14th inning because there's only like three games a year that even go that far, so I'd never have to see it. But starting in the 10th inning, that's just a dumb idea, and nobody's going to convince me otherwise. Uh, the second one, now this is one that got instituted a year ago, and it's just stayed for this year, and that is the three-batter minimum. Now, this one I like. Now, I, I, I understand the strategy guys uh, are going to be like, no, if, if I want to switch pitchers every other pitch, I should be able to. And I get that too. But there is a point when you get into games in the 6th, 7th, 8th inning that they will start to drag just from the sheer amount of pitching changes. And I do like that we're requiring relievers to actually be good pitchers now and be able to throw to everybody, kind of like a starter has to do, uh, rather than just being able to come in and, and have four guys in your bullpen that are throwing to one batter apiece. It sucks for the loogies and rugies, uh, left-handed only guys and right-handed only guys. Um, it sucks for those guys of, of the of the game, and, and I'm you know, it does kind of take away some job opportunity. Uh, but overall, it should increase relievers' value uh, because now you're going to have to pay relievers based on being able to face you know to go opposite splits as well. Um, I, I don't mind the rule. I like relievers that can handle at least a full inning anyway, so it doesn't really bother me. I like that, that there's some downside now for coaches that want to play the strategy game a little too close. I do like that rule. Uh, that one I have a feeling is going to stay for a while. That one, I, I have no issues with that one. I think that that one adds to the complexity of the game a little bit. I'm fine with that one. Uh, this next one, though, you guys who have listened to me for a while, you guys know that this is going to be a bugaboo of mine. Uh, for 2021, as it stands now, pitchers are returning to batting in the National League, and I don't like this because I don't need to see pitchers swinging a bat. Pitchers suck at hitting. The best hitting pitcher you know of sucks at hitting. They all suck batting. There's no need for me to watch a guy that hasn't really practiced hitting in five or six years pick up a bat and stand there in the batter's box. I don't need to see Mike Fulton have to swing a bat. Um, and it does have some real consequences. For the Braves, for example, uh, Mike Soroka is probably not going to be ready for opening day now. He's ready for pitching, but he's not going to be ready as far as standing in the box and running out of the box and all that stuff. So it's going to take a little bit more time for him to get on the field. Now, the Braves can certainly handle missing Soroka for a few starts, even as up to a month, it's not going to sink their ship, and I'll talk about that in another show. Uh, but it is it is something that it does increase the risk of, in, uh, of injuries, and it does affect pitchers coming from the AL to the NL. Carlos Carrasco talked about it, a uh, guy for the Mets now. He, he's talked about it where his biggest worry coming from the AL to the NL was having to swing a bat, which he hasn't done in 12 years. So I don't understand why, if you're talking about wanting uh, more excitement in baseball, uh, more balls in play that you're going to put in a guaranteed strikeout in the lineup, and it it just I I don't like both leagues having different sets of rules. I like every team having the same set of rules, and it does take away from 15 DHing opportunities. And when you go and play interleague play, now national leagues tend to be at a little bit of a disadvantage because their DH is just going to be one of their versatile bench pieces. He's not really a DH profile bat, so um, certainly. Not my favorite rule. I, that one's going to change in 2022. But for 2021, we're going to have to deal with watching the pitchers hit and just hopefully none of them get injured. And uh, If it were up to me, I would tell my pitchers to just go up there and never swing the bat, to be quite honest. I mean, I, that's just tell them stand there. 
Uh, there, there's no real upside. I mean, if, if they want to lay down bunts, fine, as long as they don't you know, get hit in the face. Um, but but overall, it's just kind of a useless thing. You just put a you've just put a guaranteed out. Uh, I don't buy that pitchers batting adds to the strategy. It just changes the strategy. It doesn't really add. We've covered that a million times. I'm sure we'll cover that on, on another episode talking about this rule. Um, but that that's probably my second least favorite rule, right behind the runners on second. If it, if it, let me say this though, it is not the same level of hate. If I could, if I could trade no DH forever for never having this stupid runner on second base rule, I would do that in a heartbeat because that runner on second and extras, I, I, that, that is by far the worst rule. Uh, we have a few more rules we're going to talk about coming up. I'm going to go ahead and take my first break. When we come back, we'll look at a couple more rules in place for, 21, for 2021, and then we will, looks like we will have time to get into uh, the potential rules upcoming. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this on Locked on Braves. Hey, everybody. Dylan from Locked on Braves here to tell you about my friends at Bet Online. Bet online is the only place to go for any and all online wagers for sporting events. Uh, I've told you guys a million times I'm a big avid MMA better. That's what I love to bet. It it's just adds to the fight for me, and I'm a big fight fan anyway. So I'm always excited for fight nights and uh, UFC pay per views and Bellator events. So I'm a big, big fan of even one FC events. But I'm a big fan of of putting a little bit of money, especially because the lines and fights can always be crazy. So for example, I'm taking, uh, I'm going to take Gilbert Burns over Kamaru Usman and I'm going to cash in when Gilbert Burns wins that. Um, but it doesn't just have to be MMA. I mean, if you're a soccer fan, if you want to get in some baseball futures bets in here now, if you really love the Braves edition of Marcelo Zuna and think that that's going to push them into a World Series this year, go ahead and, and go to Bet Online and put a little bit of money down on that. And if you use our promo code Locked On, they're going to give you a little bit of special, uh, a special surprise once you make your first deposit. So when you go to bet online, it's the number one place to go for it. I mean, it's it's the only place I go. I'm not a huge gambler for anything else. I just I just play straight bets. I don't even really do parlays. But they've got lines for beginners. They've got lines for uh, guys that play a lot, and they've got lines for really advanced players. Bet online really does have a little bit of everything. They've got great prop bets in there too. If you can think of it, it's probably on the prop bets on that site. But don't take my word for it. Go to betonline.ag today. Sign up and use the promo code locked on and get your special surprise on your initial deposit locked on. That's the promo code. Go to betonline.ag today. Hey, guys, it's Dylan from Locked On here to tell you about my friends at Built Bar. I talk about them all the time because I love their product. Built Bars are tasty and delicious protein bars with almost no downside. I mean, they've only got about four grams of net carbs for almost all of them. It's just fantastic. Most protein bars are a chore to get through. Your mouth feels like it is on fire because you're chewing the leather sole of an old shoe. Not Built Bar. Built Bars are nice and soft. It's almost a it's almost a jelly type of center. It sounds weird, but it really, really works. They're not hard to get through at all. They've got tons of interesting flavors. I mean flavors that you're not getting from your normal protein bars. Things like caramel fudge or, or peanut butter fudge brownie or uh, coconut almond or toffee almond or, or apple crisp. There's so many. I can't name them all. I mean, it's, it's a really, really cool way to really engage in the protein bar market. And if you're somebody that um, most, you know, if you don't like doing protein, but if you're not a big workout buff and you like to have a protein bar like me, if you like to have protein bars as a breakfast because you don't really like to sit down and have a full breakfast, Built Bars are perfect. It's got the nutrition I need to get my day going. makes nice and wake up there. makes me feel good, get a little bit of, of the juices flowing without feeling overstuffed or bloated like I can do if I have a real breakfast. Or maybe you do like to work out a lot and you need the perfect pre-workout food or the perfect pre or post-workout food. Built Bars are great for that as well. Or even a midnight snack because there is no downside. They're not bad for you at all. 
So BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On. They're one of our favorite guys. We've worked with them for a long time, as you can tell from the show. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and start building your bars today. BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Thank you for sticking with that little detour as we were doing in the first segment. We're going to continue talking about the 2021 rule changes and we're going to get into a couple future rule changes and and how I feel about these changes and how I feel about the way baseball is going. Before we do any more of that, I will say, just as a little disclaimer, I am not against baseball changing. I do believe that baseball needs to do things a little bit differently. They are by far the oldest sport by viewer. Now granted, that's because baseball tends to be a more patient game. It's not as fast-paced, and there's a lot more of it. Uh, so it doesn't capture the attention span the way that football does, which is you know 16 to 19 games, depending on how far you go. Uh, but baseball does need to do a much better job marketing, and that's something that we'll cover on the show tomorrow, unless there's any Braves breaking news, in which case that'll bump it, obviously. Uh, but the plan for tomorrow will be to discuss baseball and their, their horrific marketing abilities and we'll, we'll discuss ways to change that but for these just for these rules I don't mind baseball making some changes they do need to they do need to cater to a younger audience they do need to build the sport the love of the sport into the younger fans who might not have the same attention span as people like myself and like yourself listening to this show who've been watching for a long enough time before the rise of social media and before everything was instantly at your fingertips, uh, before the internet was even you know as mainstream as it is now and where it's just a part of our, our daily life where you have your phone in your hand every two seconds and the rate at which you can consume information is so fast, your attention span shortens because of it. So baseball does need to do a better job with that. And I think some of these rules really do help. Um, the, the last rule I have to talk about that's in place for 2021 is the seven-inning doubleheaders. And this is one I've kind of gone back and forth on. Um, I don't personally, I don't mind seven inning doubleheaders. I it's it does make it a little bit different when you start talking about overall stats because you are talking about if a team plays a fair amount of seven inning doubleheaders, then you are talking about that's that's four innings less per doubleheader uh, day that you're getting less. So you're talking about you are going to have a few games missed overall from your quote unquote one sixty two just by taking innings away, uh, which can affect some guys' numbers, and it can affect the way that we look at, at certain records. But when you look at baseball, baseball has changed a lot over the years anyway. I mean, baseball has gone from 154 games, which they're probably going to go back to, 148 games at times, 152 games. They, they've, they've changed the scope of how many games are played in a season numerous times. They've changed rules numerous times, lowering the mound, changing the baseball, uh, ground rule double rule, for those of you that didn't know, ground rule doubles used to be considered home runs. Uh, there, there's all sorts of changes. So there is no baseball purist anymore because nobody alive has seen baseball in its actual original form. So changes changes are good. You have to change. You have to evolve to continue to succeed. When you get complacent, you don't succeed. And the seven-inning doubleheader, it's a way I like it better as far as makeup games, especially because it's a lot easier to do makeup games when you have seven inning double headers. Uh, it's easier on the bullpens. Um, it, it's it's easier for the players at that point. Now, watching it, 
I mean, it's still 14 innings of baseball, so you still feel like you got your day's worth of baseball in. Overall, I'm not... I don't, I'm not angry about this rule. I don't think that it's the best rule that baseball has. I still like nine-inning doubleheaders. I think that that's something special. It's an endurance factor there, too. But I'm, I'm not upset about seven-inning doubleheaders. I, I, that's an easy trade-off for me. Um, I know some people are really against it because, again, like the runner on second base rule, it just doesn't look like baseball. But that's, that's something that I'm willing to move on there. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. So I, I don't mind the seven-inning doubleheaders. Now, I don't think players liked it a ton, but they were willing to, to move on that. So, I'm, I'm, I, again, I, I really don't care about that. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, I wouldn't mind if they made Sundays uh, just doubleheader days. And on Sundays, you played seven-inning doubleheaders. I wouldn't mind that at all especially if you're able to find one other day during the week that you take off to prepare for like three game sets that start on, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I, I don't, I really don't mind doing seven, eight double headers. Um, I think it's, I think it's good for everybody and it'll probably reduce a, a few injuries a year. Probably it's not going to affect it too much because your position players are still going to be playing and you know, two innings per game, four innings a day is not going to be overall a huge save for player like position players, it might it might save a couple relievers a year, maybe. Uh, just baseball is so variable, and health is so variable in baseball. It's not going to change that much, but it's not something that's also going to change the viewing experience. Because again, double headers aren't super common. It's more common than extra inning games that go into fourteen innings and above. But it's not it's not super common, so it's it's something that I can get over. And uh, even though it's not something you're used to seeing from college or major league baseball, it's something we've seen in baseball before. So it's not something absolutely insane. So I'm fine with that one, but. I do have two more I want to get to, and I'm getting close to the end of my show because I just talk so dadgum much. Um, I do have two more rules that I want to talk about that are going to be potentials, rules that I think are going to be in place for 2022, or at least it will be if the players are smart at all. Uh, and that's going to be expanded rosters in the expanded postseason. So I'm going to talk about the expanded postseason first because it's the more important of the two for me. Uh, a lot of people liked the expanded playoffs from last year. Uh, for a lot of teams that aren't traditionally playoff teams, their fan bases uh, get a chance to get really excited about playoff baseball. Hey, the playoffs are crazy. Anything can happen. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I'm not a big fan of expanded playoffs. Uh, I, I, I don't. It's one of the reasons I don't like the NBA. I don't like that half the teams don't make it. And I've talked about this new, uh, numerous times. Uh, I don't like that half the teams make it to the playoffs. I don't like that teams that are 500 or below can potentially vie for your championship especially in baseball where you have 162 games to figure it out uh, i don't think you need expanded playoffs expanded playoffs would to me would just be a precursor for expanded leagues which i do think you're going to have at least two teams added in relatively short order uh, i'm just i'm personally am not big on it uh that's something that major league baseball is going to make sure goes in because they want added playoff revenue and that right there is the reason why the players haven't agreed to it because as it stands now players only get a cut of uh, gate revenue for playoffs where the owners pocket all the TV revenue and the TV revenue is where it's at for everything. TV revenue trumps everything. And if you're the players and you're wanting and, and MLB is like, Hey, we want to add expanded playoffs. And you're worried about, you know, cold markets like this season and, and a few seasons previous. So don't, don't let them tell you that it's just COVID related because the, the free agent market hasn't been the free agent market for the last few years. And a lot of that is teams getting smarter uh, and, and seeing the pitfalls of giant contracts like Miguel Cabrera's and Albert Pujols and even Jason Hayward's. But a lot of it is also because 
if you're a team that is an 82-win team, traditionally you need to get to 86 to 88 to have a real shot at the playoffs. So you're going to go out there and you're going to spend more on one player that you think could make you an 88-win team. If you're an 82-win team, you got to pick up six wins. So you're going to go out there and you're going to make more moves in the offseason because you're not far enough away to where you're going to be a bad team and, and get high draft picks and go that way. So you're going to spend money. But if you can get into the postseason 82 to 84 wins, now you don't really have that need if you're an owner, especially owners that don't like to spend, which there are a lot of them in Major League Baseball that do not like to spend money. If you can build an 82 to 84 win team super cheap, then you're not going to go out there and spend the money on high-priced free agents or, or real elite type of talent because it's going to cost a lot of money. And if you're, let's say, the Pirates ownership, uh, and if you can get to 82 win teams by being a, a $70 million payroll, uh, and you're you're not you don't really care about how deep you go in the postseason. Then why would you spend 130 or 100 period 100 million to be an 84 to, to be an 86 win team? The the value for those teams is not there at that point. When you can say, if I add this one guy, it's probably not enough to make me a World Series contender. So I can just get into the playoffs and and make it a crapshoot anyway, like the playoffs usually are. It does suppress wages, and it's something that I'm not real big on. Uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of expanded playoffs in anything except for college football, and that's just because I think four teams underrepresents the sheer amount of teams that are in college football. Plus, there's only 12 games, and there's injury risks and, and all sorts of different variables. Baseball, I think, does a good job. By the time you get to the playoffs, the best teams are in the postseason, and that's what makes playoff baseball so good is all the teams in there you know are the best teams in baseball. They're the most deserving of it. Sure, there's some squash matches because some division winners aren't as good as the third-place team in another division. Um, but for the most part, the matchups between them are good matchups. And I think that that's one I don't want to lose that by adding in teams that don't deserve it just so you get some added revenue. On the player side of things, can't agree to it until owners agree to give you a guaranteed rate of playoff, of, of TV revenue as opposed to gate revenue. That's That's the... Starting and ending point. If owners come off of that and they, they tell players that they're willing to give them a percentage of TV revenue, expanded postseasons will be in it. Um, again, I'm out of time here, so I'm just going to hit the expanded rosters really quickly. Expanded rosters are a good idea for a number of reasons. One, it allows players to get extra rest, so it's good for injuries. Two, it allows you to... Uh, to allow for things that are unforeseen, somebody getting injured in the game. It allows you to be a little bit more strategic if somebody's not playing particularly well. It adds to the platoon scenario, so it adds extra jobs. Uh, it's more likely to have players called up from the minors because you can get them regular playing time without really sacrificing too much. Uh, um, expanded rosters are going, are, are going to be here in 2022. I have no doubt about that. My guess is that would be what's traded for expanded playoffs in the 2022 CBA. If the owners will come off of players only getting gate revenue in the playoffs, then, then I think that that'll be a good little exchange there. The Universal DH is coming too, so I'm not going to spend time talking about it today, but expanded rosters, I liked it last year. Uh, I, I think that's certainly a good thing. Uh, I, I'd like to see it going forward. There's still time. I mean, baseball at the 11th hour last year instituted the DH and the expanded rosters and the expanded postseason, so there's still a lot of people that believe that it's it's going to get resolved before then. At this point, though, in the offseason, I mean, you're in the same spot you were last year. It doesn't help too much. For the Braves, it would help because then Ozuna goes back to DH and Riley plays left field or, or you make a quick signing for another fielder, which um, we'll, we'll see We'll see what happens. As it stands now, Alex has already kind of stated that the payroll is going to be less in 2021 than it was in 2020. So I think that aside from a couple relievers, they might be done on the free agent market. There's still some trades, but I don't have time to talk about those today. Uh, expanded rosters, yes. Uh, expanded postseason, eh, I'm not a big fan of it, but it's probably coming. Uh, 
Universal DH is coming too. So those are your potential rule changes. Uh, 17 double headers, again, I've said I'm, I'm okay with. So that's that's the rules and regs for 2021 and some potentials for 2022. Um, if you guys have differing opinions, feel free to let me know on Twitter. Feel free to let me know in the comments or, or whatever. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Braves. Uh-huh.